You'll notice that on the um, uh, welcome sheet, uh, the weekly sheet that you've received, the green weekly sheet, that I've put the title, Enjoying the Prince of Peace. And uh, that was earlier in the week. And as I've thought about it, and I thought maybe walking with the Prince of Peace would be a better title as we uh, move in, or as we've moved into a new year. But I think both are, both are, uh, both are what we want, to be walking with the Prince of Peace and enjoying the Prince of of peace too. Some of you will have heard me say before, I know when I was preaching just uh, nearly a year ago, uh, I was, uh, spoke about the advent calendar that my daughter Hannah had given me. And uh, it was um, some little envelopes with stars in, do you remember? And uh, the stars, there was one for each day of the month, and the stars had the names of Jesus on them. And um, it went up again this year, and I enjoyed going through the, the stars, putting them up, looking at the name of Jesus, looking up the verses in the scriptures describing the names of Jesus. And as we anticipated his birth, it was wonderful to consider his names because that helps us to consider him. And that's what we need to be, do, be those who consider him. And um, as we consider his names, we consider his character, we can look at that, his character. We can look at the work that he does. Things like the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The light of the world that shines into the darkness. The bread of life providing all that we need. The King of Kings. The one who rules over all. The Good Shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. And we could go on. You see, Christianity is all about Christ. It's all about him. And he is our great need, and he should be our great focus. It's not about us. It's about him. Later on in this book of Isaiah, uh, Isaiah writes, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And that's what we're like, silly sheep. Have you ever watched them? So stupid, going their own way. And that's what we're like. But he goes on to say, the Lord has laid on him, laid on Jesus, the iniquity, the sin of us all. Here in Isaiah 9, and uh, I know it's uh, a passage which Joseph spoke on just before Christmas, uh, and I spoke on a small part of it on Christmas Day, but I've sort of continued with it as we've gone into the year and wanted really to begin with this. We read of the Prince of Peace. The last name that uh, we see in this list in Isaiah 9, the last description of Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And I want us to consider this Prince of Peace and to make sure that we're those who are trusting in him and walking with him this morning. I think it's very pertinent as we begin a new year because you only have to look at the headlines to see the world around us is not at peace. We've all been shocked by events that have taken place in the Middle East with what the USA have done and what Iran have done and what happens next. In our own nation, we've the last few years really have shown us that we're a divided nation. What happens next? Where do we go from here? Things are not at peace. You've heard about the royal family this week and uh, Harry and Meghan 
And Harry certainly seems not to be a prince of peace with turmoil there. In the news around us, but maybe in your own personal experience as well, maybe at work, it's good to have a break over the Christmas holidays and the New Year break, but going back to work, maybe that's difficult because there isn't peace in the office, the strained relationships and difficulties. Maybe in the home, things aren't at peace between husband and wife, between parents and children. There isn't always peace. Maybe elsewhere in our relationships with others, even our relationships with other people here, things aren't at peace. And it's possible this morning that you don't have peace with God. You know that things aren't right between you and him. What I want us to do briefly, uh, what I want us to do together this morning is look briefly at this verse in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and look at the names used of him and consider him as we do that, and then home in on the last one, the Prince of Peace, and go elsewhere in the scriptures to think about that. And my question for you this morning really is, do you know this Prince of Peace? Are you trusting this Prince of Peace? Are you walking with the Prince of Peace? Are you enjoying his peace? This verse in Isaiah 6, it says, He will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But it begins by telling us that unto us a child is born. And that speaks of the Lord's humanity. It tells us that unto us a son is given. And that speaks of his divinity, the one come from God. And it tells us that he, was the, he is the one who will have the government on his shoulders. But yet, when Jesus came to this world, he had a cross put on his shoulders at the end of his life, bearing the sin of the world. This verse goes on to tell us what he will be called. The Wonderful Counselor. I never know if that's two things or one thing, whether he's wonderful and counsellor, or whether he, whether he is the wonderful counsellor. Well, he's both of those. He's the wonderful counsellor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And there's so much packed into this one verse. He's the wonderful counsellor. We can come to him with our questions. He knows the decisions that we have to make. Earthly rulers, the Prime Minister... Uh, the president of the USA, they're surrounded by counsellors and advisors. But Jesus is the wonderful counsellor. He needs no one. He's the wonderful counsellor. He's the mighty God. We can come to him with the pressures of our life. He knows the circumstances that we face. When we can't cope, when life just seems too difficult, he is the mighty God. Not only does he have all wisdom as the mighty counsellor, he has all power and all authority as the mighty God. Nothing is too big for him. And as I was thinking about that, I thought of that children's song. Nothing's, there's nothing's too big, big, 
big for his power. So often the, some of the children's songs, they put these wonderful truths in such simple ways. There's nothing too big for him. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father and we can come to him with our burdens. He knows the troubles that we carry this morning and we can come to him as the everlasting Father. I don't think that this is a reference to the first person of the Trinity, God the Father, but rather a reference to his father-like care and his tender care. He's brought us into his family and he's not going to abandon us. He forgives us completely. He accepts us unconditionally. He loves us endlessly. There's nothing beyond his care. He is the everlasting Father. And then he's the Prince of Peace. And we come to him with our fears. He knows them all. He takes care of the distresses of our lives. The first verse that I ever learnt as a young Christian was Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And then the next verse goes on and says this, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's a wonderful verse, and I'm so glad that it's... uh, a verse that I learnt as a young Christian because that's been such a tremendous help and a blessing to me over the years. And I know I've said before, we can enjoy and experience a peace which can't be explained. We can't understand why we know the peace, but we can enjoy it and experience experience it. And how is it we can know that? It is because of Jesus. It is because of the Prince of Peace. Living as a Christian and facing 2020 doesn't mean we won't have questions and decisions to make. doesn't mean that we won't have pressures in our lives. doesn't mean there won't be burdens that we carry. And it doesn't mean that we won't experience fears. We mustn't try and wrap ourselves up in cotton wool and switch off from the world around us. We... We don't bury our heads and send, bury our heads in the sands and be like the is it the ostrich who puts its head in the sand, and we don't do that as if nothing's happening around us. God's peace that He promises isn't the absence of trouble, but it's peace right in the middle of the troubles. So let's consider this. Prince of Peace. And I've got four things uh, listed there uh, on the sheet, but four things to help us walk with this Prince of Peace and enjoy this Prince of Peace. And it's all to do with considering him. In Hebrews 12 it says, consider him who endured such opposition, such contradiction, such opposition from sinners, lest you be wearied and grow faint in your hearts. And I've got four things here to help us consider him that we might walk and enjoy this Prince of Peace. So firstly, let's look at the example of his life, the example of his life. He was a man of peace. He lived a a difficult life, if you look at his life, if you read the Gospels um, and the, the public part of his life, the three years that we have much about. The first year looks like success. Everyone coming around to listen to him, everyone enjoying him, everyone seeing what he's doing. 
and things seem to be going well. The second year of his life, you start to see rebellion and people turning against him and not wanting him. And then eventually in the third year of his life, you see rejection and eventually crucifixion. He lived a difficult life. He knew what it was to have things not at peace around him. And he faced difficult circumstances as well. But look at how he responded to some of those circumstances. Think of the, um, uh, the disciples, his followers, who uh, uh, were with him in a boat one time. They'd set off from the land, were heading over to the other side, they'd gone in the boat, and a storm arises. And the disciples are terrified. These disciples, many of them who used, were used to being in the boat, were terrified, were panicking. And where is Jesus? Asleep in the back of the boat, at peace. And then eventually they wake him up and he stands up and he says, Peace, be still. But even in that storm, he's at peace in the boat. Another time with his disciples, um, and uh, with many others, a big crowd had come to listen to Jesus teaching the people and, and he'd gone on and the day had gone on and it was getting later in the day when the disciples realised that it was, well, time to go, really, and we need to send the people home. But there was nothing to eat. What were they going to do? And again, the disciples, this sense of, what are we going to do? You know, We haven't got any food. Let's send them home. And it says of Jesus that he knew what to do. That sense of peace in the situation. He knew what to do. And he took the loaves and the fishes and provided for them. Then there was another time, the, do you remember Jairus and his daughter, the 12-year-old girl who had died and um, uh, calls for Jesus and, uh, well, eventually you know, he doesn't get there. The girl's died. But eventually he meets them and he says to him, he knows what to do. He knows what to say. Don't be afraid. Just believe. And then what about the time that he's in Gethsemane at the end of his life and um, eventually the authorities come and arrest him. And Peter's there and he takes out his sword and is ready to fight. What does Jesus say? Put your sword away. You see, Jesus is at peace with what's going on. He knows what to do. And as you look at the situations that Jesus came across in his life, we see that he brings that sense of peace. Jesus was a man of peace. Now, you maybe you sit there and think, well, yes, that he was God. He was the God-man, so he could do that. But actually, it was as a man, he called upon and trusted God and drew on his resources, just as we can do. Consider the example of his life. When things are difficult, when you don't feel at peace, look at the example of Jesus. We were thinking about it again in our home group on Thursday night in 1 Peter 2. And uh, it's all about submission, uh, and trusting God, and yielding to him when life is tough, when days are difficult, when we're opposed. And what does Peter say? Look at the example of Jesus. He was a man of peace. But then look at the accomplishment of his death. Look what happened at the cross. He has made peace. Every generation 
has uh, looked for and longed for peace, but yet it never seems to be found. We have an increasing understanding of the the world and the universe around us. Um, There's rapid advancements in science and technology. There's increases in democracy and diplomacy, but yet it doesn't seem to work. Yet we still face frustration. We still face alienation. We still face a lack of peace. But when we look at Jesus and when we look at his cross, we see he is the one who has made peace. He has made peace. Listen to what he says in Colossians chapter 1. In verse 19, it says this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The cross has made peace. Not peace in the world, but peace with God. We can know peace with God, which brings peace in our hearts. And then we can know the peace of God in our circumstances that we face. You see, it's through the cross that we have peace. It's through the cross, the place where Jesus hung and suffered and laid down his life for sinners just like us. It's through the cross that we're no longer enemies, but we're friends of God. We're no longer alienated from him, but we're reconciled to him. We're no longer guilty, but we're forgiven. And we no longer have to fear judgment. We can enjoy peace. The history of the world is of a world at war with God and a world at war with each other. When you read the early chapters of Genesis, that's what you see. It begins uh, there in the first chapters, chapter 3, about uh, man and Adam and Eve becoming enemies of God. And then you read of Cain and Abel and becoming enemies of each other. And then you uh, you read about families becoming enemies of families and nations becoming enemies of nations. And that has continued. The human race was separated from God and it's all downhill from there. The history of the world is of war with God and alienation from God. But the message of the Bible is that Jesus is the one who brings peace and the one who brings reconciliation. How does he do it? He does it through the cross, the place where God's justice meets God's love. The place where the holiness of God meets our sinfulness. The place where his righteousness meets our unrighteousness. The place where the Prince of Peace lays down his life as an acceptable sacrifice and offering to God so that we might have peace, so that we can have peace with God. We see the same coming out as Paul writes in uh, the book of Romans. Listen to what it says. Chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in whom 
we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Peace with God because we're justified, because our sin has been dealt with by Jesus. We have access to God because we're reconciled by faith in Jesus when we trust in him. We can stand before God. Isn't that wonderful? That we can stand before him, accepted by God's grace. And we can rejoice in all things because God's purpose is that we will be for the praise of his glory. It's all accomplished in the cross. Peace with God through the cross. So, we've considered the example of his life. We've considered the accomplishment of the cross and his death. But now let's think about the promise of his presence with us. He gives peace. He promises that he will be with us. He promises as as we look forward to the week ahead, to the month ahead, to the year ahead, with our questions and our burdens and our fears, he promises that he is with us and will give us peace. Maybe some of you this morning feel, maybe you feel alone. Maybe you feel away from home. Maybe missing loved ones who are no longer with us because they've died. Maybe without family, without friends. Jesus is the one who gives peace into our lives. In John chapter 14 that we read, we find the disciples, the followers of Jesus, there in the upper room. It's a a, a section of John's Gospel, four chapters, where Jesus is really preparing the disciples for him going. And I would imagine that those disciples would have felt something of abandonment because Jesus was going, the one who they'd been with for those three years, the ones who they'd lived with, spent time with, listened to, learnt from, he was going. And it seemed that he was deserting them. Jesus was about to depart from this world and return to heaven. And Jesus promises them to give them two things. Listen to what he said. It was there in our reading, in John chapter 14, verse 25, all this I have spoken while with you, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. What are the two things that he's given? He's given us his Spirit to guide us into all truth and he's given us his peace to accompany us through life. His presence brings peace. Peace made with God through the cross but then the promise of his presence with us as we face another year. Now it might be you look around the world and think, well where is this promised peace? Where is this peace that you've been speaking about? We know that uh, when Jesus was born and the angels came uh, to tell us who this baby Jesus is, the Christ, the promised one, it says that the angels say, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. But it might be you look around the world and say, well, where is this peace that was promised? 
Some of you might be thinking of that passage in Luke chapter 12 where Jesus says, I did not come to bring peace, but division. So what do we do with that? Well, the reason why there is not peace in this world around us is because people have not accepted the offer of his peace. They've rejected him. They've resisted him. They don't want him. Because people love darkness rather than the light. But when we come to the Prince of Peace and turn from our sin and trust in him, we will have peace with God and we will have peace in our hearts. Yes, there's still trouble in the world around us, but there's no longer trouble in our hearts. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The promise of his presence, he gives peace. And then finally, this Prince of Peace, as we consider him, let's consider the certainty of his return. There is a day coming when he will reign in peace. There is a day coming when there will be a new heaven and a new earth and there will be peace. Jesus made it clear that his coming again. When he returned up to heaven there at the beginning of the book of Acts, he makes it clear and the angels speaking to the disciples that he will come again. In the same way as you've seen him go, he will come. And uh, the New Testament writers write of his coming again, particularly Paul in the book of Thessalonians. He's writing to this church, writing to these people who are troubled by people who have died and what's happening around them. And Paul writes to encourage them and to reassure them that Jesus is coming again. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, every chapter of the book mentions that Jesus is coming. And twice in the book, in chapter 4 and chapter 5, he tells them to encourage each other with these words. Jesus is coming. He's coming back. And it might be soon. It could be this year. And as we consider him, as we consider the certainty of his return, We know there's a day coming that when he comes, he will usher in the new heavens and the new earth and there will be peace on earth forever. Do you know this Prince of Peace? Are you trusting him? Are you walking with him? Consider him as we go out into a new world. Let's pray and ask God for his help to do that. Our Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he is the wonderful counsellor, that he is the mighty God, that he is the everlasting Father who shows his care. And we thank you that he is the Prince of Peace. Father, we thank you that peace has been made through the cross. We thank you that we can know peace with you. And Father, we thank you that you have given us peace, that the Lord Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Thank you that we can know peace in the circumstances of our lives. And Father, as we come to you at the end of this morning, we bring before you our fears, our pressures, our questions and decisions and our concerns. Father, we pray that you'd help us to trust you in these things. And we pray that we might enjoy and know that peace 
which passes all understanding. Father, we thank you that it is ours, it is for us. We can experience it and enjoy it. And we pray that you'd help us to walk with the Prince of Peace in these coming days ahead. And we ask it all in his name and for his glory. Amen.